or how to respond when the heat is on, when your faith is being tested, is something that every Christian desires to get, right? What should we do when we're being challenged as opposition washes up on our shores? When obedience to God causes a fight, what can we do to resist that which resists Him? Well, Nehemiah gives us an example of how to respond when there's opposition to the work God is calling you to. So if you would, let's open our Bibles, church, to Nehemiah chapter 4 this morning. And if you're able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. Nehemiah 4, 1. And the Bible says, <clears throat> Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered the Jews. And he said, In the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? But Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break it down. He will break down their stone wall. Nehemiah replies, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from their sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Verse 7, but when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of the Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and, cause, and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So, in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carry burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, 
The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. And I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful to be here this morning to worship you, Father. Father, you've heard our prayers and our praise this morning, and I pray, God, it was a sweet sound to you. But now, God, as we open your word, Lord, we need to hear from you. Your word is the precious oil, Lord, that protects your children from the schemes of the devil and the trappings of this world, Lord. So I pray. I pray, Lord, that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path this morning, Lord. So come now. Come now and fall freshly, Lord, on this small house church and make yourself known this morning, God. Lord, we surrender this time to you, Father, and ask that the Holy Spirit would lead us and teach us through your truth this morning, I pray, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, there have always been people who are opposed to God's good work. But it seems to me that the heat ramps up and gets especially hot when God begins a new work. And the new work God is doing here in Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall, right? What's been destroyed by sin and disobedience, God wants to rebuild and make strong again through sacrifice and obedience. And last week in chapter 3, Pastor Joe taught a wonderful lesson about spiritual leaders who are devoted to the Lord, lead by doing and motivating others to do what needs to be done by encouraging them to stay focused on what's in front of them today. Right? Knowing the big picture is really important, but it can be overwhelming when you focus on all that needs to be accomplished. He taught us that focusing on what you must accomplish today ultimately keeps you motivated for tomorrow. So as the rebuilding of the wall continues here in Nehemiah chapter 4, he teaches us how to respond when there is resistance to God's work. When opposition comes, seek the Lord. Do his work. Prepare for the worst, relying on his protection. Now, opposition to God's work takes many forms, but here in chapter 4, it starts with the antagonist in Nehemiah, along with many others, Sanballat in verse 1. Now, there isn't really a lot that's said about Sanballat, right? except that um, there's a strong possibility that he has some significant authority in Samaria and is kind of an under-leader to the Persian king. And I'm certain that uh, Sanballat has a lot of pressure put on him to keep the Jews from claiming their independence like they want to, like Nehemiah is being led to. And I think it's fear that gets a hold of Sanballat, right? And when it gets a hold of you, it causes all kinds of responses, right? He knows what Nehemiah is trying to do in rebuilding the wall, and he understands his desire 
or he's clear about Nehemiah's desire to prosper God's people. But Sanballat rejected that and ridiculed Nehemiah and the others, trying to stop the good work that God wanted to do back in chapter 2. However, in spite of this opposition, in spite of his efforts to stop the work before it began, he hears that the building has started. And because of the fear of Sanballat, reacts to Nehemiah and the Jews as they are obeying God and not him. Truthfully, I think that we can all say that there have been times we tried to lay down the law only to have those we desire to be in authority to, those those, those we desire to rule over, only reject what it is that we want them to do. Right? When that happens, when opposition to something isn't validated by those we are leading, our first response always seems to be anger. Right? It's that burning frustration you get in your belly when people just don't listen to you. Right? When Sanballat's authority is challenged and rejected, his ire gets raised up, and pride is exposed, and like us, he loses control of his emotions. I want you to take notice to the degrees of intensity Sanballat responds with. It begins with anger, right? It moves to rage, then jeering, shame, and finally intimidation. How many times have you found yourself reacting in the same way? When your authority is challenged and people are not listening to you, do you ever lose control? Do you display your opposition to others with this type of growing intensity? For me, and for many of us, it's like when the kids are downstairs in the basement. And they're, they're, down there, they're downstairs playing and having a good time, and it starts out really good, but eventually they start getting a little crazy. It gets a little louder and a little louder. And you're sitting upstairs, you're, you know, you're reading in the living room or standing in the kitchen with your hubby or your spouse, and you respond by saying, hey, Quiet down. But as quick as it quiets down, it starts to ramp up again. All you want to do is get control of the situation as the leader in your house. But you go from leading to reacting. And when you start reacting, it never goes well. Sanballat's a leader, but Nehemiah and the Jews are not responding. Just like when your kids don't respond to your correction, you get angry times two. But the text calls it being enraged. It's not really your kind of hair on fire kind of anger, but it causes you to get up out of your chair and go downstairs to the basement and pick a fight. Anger and rage. Church, anger and rage always leads to a loss of control. And when you're opposed to what And when you're opposed to what's going on, you start to make fun of people to get them to stop. It's a very typical thing that we as fallen humans actually do. Now, Sanballat, it says that Sanballat jeered at the Jews. And jeering is when you yell rude comments at someone. Another word for jeering is actually mockery. So when your authority is challenged and no one responds, to your overflowing emotions, you turn to mockery to get them to do what you want them to do. When you get out of your chair and you go downstairs, it often leads to mockery, although you don't intend it to. And it could sound something like this. Now listen, I, I told y'all to quiet down. But dad, but, but mom, 
he said that, and then I did this, and then he did that to me, and your response is this. Blah, 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 blah. I told you to stop it. Friends, when you respond in that way, when you make fun of someone's expression, that's called mocking. And making fun of someone and what they're saying and doing is not good. It's certainly not the way to get people to do what you want them to do. It doesn't work for Sanballat, so he ramps it up a bit, right? He goes from anger to rage to mockery, and now he brings in a little shame and a little intimidation. I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious that Nehemiah is not intimidated. So the heat gets ramped up by enlisting other, people's, other people to join the fight. I've, I've asked my wife to join the fight many times when I wasn't going my way, and it never, ever works out very well. It actually says in verse number two, and he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria. Now his brothers here in the text are just his allies, right? People that stand with him in opposition to the work, right? And he's a leader in Samaria, so he likely has access to some kind of military force, although it's uncertain whether it's an actual form of military or just maybe some kind of militia. But he uses it to try and instill fear and failure in Nehemiah and the Jews by shaming them and also building a greater resistance to what God is trying to do in building the wall. And essentially what's, all, what's being said here in these verses is you don't have what it takes to get it done. Right? You're feeble. You're weak. You're not capable and you're not worthy of such an accomplishment. And no one, no one is with you. It says, well, they finish in a day. The project is way too big for you to accomplish it. I mean, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. What you've accomplished so far is so utterly useless that you can't protect yourself from one of the least intimidating and weakest animals in all creation. And the truth is, individually, the Jews are feeble and incapable of building the wall. They are weak both in presence and strength. The task is, in fact, very great. But Nehemiah overcomes this opposition because he knows that God is greater. I mean, how often do you feel weak and want to respond with anger and rage, right? Your armor is down, and what you're trying to do for the Lord seems to make everyone mad. So what do you do when opposition comes your way? Do you react like Sanballat with anger and rage and intimidation? Or should you do what Nehemiah does in, chapter, in verse number four and seek the Lord, right? When your defenses are down and your weakness is exposed, Go to the one who provides protection. And Nehemiah responds to Sanballat's opposition with a wonderful prayer, starting in verse number four. It says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Now, I'm a pretty simple guy, and I like to think of things in very simple ways, and Pastor Joe could probably do a whole sermon on these two verses. But I think the prayer 
although it says a lot, very simply, Nehemiah is saying, God, I know you're listening. And you know that others hate us because we follow you and not them. Would you reverse the roles, Lord, and make them slaves to your power? Don't let them get away with it, God. Although they lash out at us, we know they are really lashing out at you. Although they shame and try and intimidate us, what they're really opposed to is you. The Bible says they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders, essentially saying they have shamed your name and your good work, and they are mocking you, God. I think that so many of us have experienced this truth, and that is whenever someone tries to do a good work for God, when we try to obey the Lord and opposition comes our way, we need to understand that the fight is not actually with us. I mean, it's directed at us, but it ultimately opposes God. The Jews may not know that, but Nehemiah knows that. Nehemiah prays. Nehemiah's prayer helps us to see that God is the one who will ultimately defend himself. So we don't have to. We don't need to defend God's glory. Everyone who opposes us and our obedience to him opposes God, and they will have to ultimately answer to him. So I have a simple question for you today. Are you here today standing in opposition of God? Whether in Christ or not in Christ, has your sin separated you from the only Savior? Are you not submitting to the authority of Christ in your life or in your family's life? Are you resisting his authority in your home and rejecting what he wants you to submit to? More to the point, has God not revealed himself as Savior to you today? Well, the good news is, the good news is, is that today is the day of salvation. Today, that you can, today you could lay down your opposition to God and trust in Jesus. Today you can no longer be an opponent to God. You can be his friend and not his foe. And all you have to do is believe. Believe that you're separated from God. Believe that he is the only one, Jesus Christ, that can protect you. Nehemiah runs to God because he knows that he's the one who protects and provides. Right? When you seek the Lord and his safety, he instills confidence as you do his work. It says in verse 6, So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Friends, I've got to tell you, half the battle and overcoming opposition is just showing up. Right? You don't have to be qualified. I mean, if you look at the list of people that God called to rebuild this wall, it included goldsmiths, goldsmiths, perfumers. I don't even know what a perfumer is. Administrators, pastors, spiritual leaders, sheep herders, and salespeople. I'm not sure that any of us here are qualified for that kind of work. 
many of us have had no experience, right? Certainly they didn't in building a wall around an entire city. But they're just willing to show up and do the work. Most of you here are not leaders and teachers or prayer warriors. But if you seek the Lord and just show up, God will use you what he wants you to do. Right? If moms and dads join together and seek the Lord, God will use them to be the disciple makers they never thought they could be. If you seek the Lord, he will give you the confidence to stand with him no matter the opposition. When you want to share Jesus with someone that doesn't seem interested, seek the Lord and let him lead you in doing his work. And when you seek the Lord and you do the work, he will stir in you a joy and an excitement for the work he is calling you to. Trust that God will put you where you're needed and use you like he wants to. Now listen, I'm certainly not saying it's going to be easy. Right? Showing up is half the battle. But we see here in Nehemiah, just when you think you've overcome the opposition, here he comes again. How many times, friends, how many times have you known victory was yours? You just knew that God had broken down a stronghold in your life or helped you in a difficult relationship. You overcame the opposition, and there was victory over the battle just to have the enemy show up again. This must have been what Nehemiah and the Jews experienced when they heard about the plans of Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. That's a tough word, Ashdodites. I said earlier, opposition comes when a good work starts, and now the opposition grows when a good work continues. When God is on the move, the enemy brings the blitz and sends everyone from all sides to stop the progress. They have got, they've got the Samaritans and the, and the Ammonites to the north. The Ashdodites to the north, excuse me. The Ammonites and the Arabs to the east, the desert to the south, and the Mediterranean Sea to the west. They have no escape. There is nowhere for them to go, nowhere for them to hide. But what do they do? They seek the Lord and do his work. And then they make a plan for the worst. Verse 9 says, And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Right? The plan to secure the perimeter is a good one. It's step number one in preventing the outside threat from coming inside. But truthfully, when we focus what's happening on the outside, we lose sight of the opposition that can come from the inside. If we skip down to verse 12, it says, At the time, at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. Can you imagine how that made them feel? They must have been very frustrated. The air must have been popped right out of their balloon. I would imagine this is what missionaries experience, right? You leave home to do a mighty work for God, and when you get to where you're going, when you get to where God points you, you realize that, hey, listen, it's not as easy as I thought it was, and the enemy is all around me, right? But you roll up your sleeves. You do the work, but progress isn't quite what you hoped it would be. On and on it goes, and eventually 
you get tired and you get discouraged. And the plan that you've come up with just isn't producing like you want it to. So you call home. You call home for some encouragement because you want to keep pressing on. You want to keep doing the work. But they respond by saying, just stop what you're doing. It's too much, right? You can't accomplish this by yourselves. There's no way that you can do it. The project is way too big. And honestly, you're not that well equipped, right? You didn't go to seminary. You don't have a PhD. You're way over your head. What else can you do? And the reality is sometimes the ones we love forget about the one we're working for. He's the one that overcomes the opposition. So when it comes, seek the Lord. Do His work. Prepare for the worst. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase, plan the work and work the plan. And that's what we see in Nehemiah. That's what we see Nehemiah do in response to the opposition that is all around him. He prayed, God provided. The people showed up and he planned the work and is working the plan. And that's what we really see in the rest of the chapter. Right? With God's help, Nehemiah placed the resources where they needed to be to protect the work and fulfill God's plan to rebuild this amazing wall. Plan the work, work the plan. He doesn't throw out the plan God gave him earlier, but stays committed to the plan. Yes, he is preparing for the worst, and the plan evolves based on what's happening. But he works the plan that God gave him. And in verse 14, he reminds those that are with him from top to bottom, right? From the, from the leaders who, who have the plan to the lay people who are working the plan from the ground up. He reminds them, remember the Lord. Remember the fight is ultimately with him and he's greater than any opponent we will ever encounter. He showed up once and he will show up again because our God will fight for us is what it says in verse 20. Yes, we plan for the worst. Yes, we work the plan. Yes, we adjust as needed, but ultimately we rely on God's protection. As much as we want to throw up our hands and say, God's got this, we have to understand that part of God's protection includes our participation. I was talking to a really good friend of mine who lives down in central Peoria some time ago. And, and like many of us, right, he begins his year by planning for his family, right? He thinks about things like budgeting, family vacations, retirement, home repairs, and giving. But he also thinks about protection and planning for emergency situations. I mean, he's a Christian, loves the Lord. He's an ex-military guy, and he sees and he has seen the dangers of this world up close and personal. He knows the direction of our culture. And he knows what's happening in our country. So he, pri he prioritizes preparedness for his family. I wouldn't say that my friend's a prepper, but he definitely likes to be prepared. He believes that part of his responsibility is to partner with God and plan for his family. Just like Nehemiah, 
he believes that ultimately God has and will continue to protect and provide for his family. He knows that God is using him to do some of that work because God uses ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. He prepares for the worst, but he relies on God's protection. Listen, when God shows up and delivers the victory, you can't assume that the enemy has been fully defeated and the war is over and the white flags are out flying. Although we've seen the victory at various points in our lives, the war does not end. Right? Nehemiah responds to the victory by reevaluating the plan and placing the resources where they can better be utilized so the work can continue. It says in verse 16, From that day on, half my servants worked on the construction, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried the burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. When I read this, I just think, I, I just think that everyone can be used and all that what you do is really valuable to the success of the plan. Recognizing that what you bring to the fight is equally valuable is really important for you to continue in the work. And lifting stones and making mortar, and that was really important. But now, Nehemiah adjusts the plan. And he places resources where they need to be so the work can continue. At dinner time, my wife wants me to take care of the kids. Now, I know that it's primarily to distract them from what she's doing in the kitchen, right? She's trying to get food on the table and, uh, and bless her family. But there are times when on the fly, she asks me to cook dinner <laughs> so she can be with the kids. And listen, I'm really comfortable in my role as the one who keeps the kids out of the kitchen. I see value. Actually, I, I see value in doing that. I'm not comfortable as the one in the kitchen cooking up the meal. But sometimes plans change, and we need to change with them. Even if we think bills are better used elsewhere, we need to be willing to take another responsibility on for the greater cause. Right Where you were once a leader, you may need to be a follower. Sometimes the focus, sometimes the focus is on the kids, and other times I need to shift my focus to the kitchen. Nehemiah knew this as well. All right, in verse 18, beginning of verse 18, it says this, The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And all I said, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. Friends, I think we always 
we always need to be prepared to shift gears and go where support needs to be given. Nehemiah is asking his team to be on guard and be willing to drop what you're doing, although it's really important, and come alongside others and support them when you hear that trumpet sound. I mean, the trumpet has been used as a call to arms throughout modern history and biblical history. Saul used the trumpet to call the Israelites to arms against the fight with the Philistines. And here, Nehemiah knows that the workers are spread thin, and they don't know if, when, or where the enemy is going to attack. But they're prepared to jump in and help whenever and wherever help is needed when the trumpet sounds. During day or at night, they were prepared to defend against the opposition. When called upon, they were willing to go and do whatever they needed to do to help. Where they went, God was with them. Now, I don't like cooking. I don't. But when the trumpet sounds, I need to come along my I need to come alongside my wife and support her. And I try to do that. Sometimes I'm not very successful. Sometimes it's just a call to Casey's for a pizza. But other times it's boiling water in a hot oven. Like me, some of you don't feel prepared to jump in at a moment's notice. But like me and not, but like Nehemiah and those who are working on the wall, all of you. All you have to do is show up and God will use you. It won't be easy and the enemy will attack. But trust the plan that God has given your leaders. Be willing to jump in and help where help is needed. Always trusting the Lord to show up. Nehemiah did. The project to rebuild the wall was a monumental effort and completely unachievable. But God showed up. Nehemiah overcame the opposition by seeking the Lord, doing the work, preparing for the worst, and always relying on God's protection. Friends, we need to rebuild. We're in a rebuilding year. Our country is in a rebuilding year. And all we have to do is show up and be willing to do what needs to be done by supporting the work and the plan that God has provided. If we do the work God wants us to do, we can overcome that opposition as well. The progress might be slow, and we might feel ill-equipped, but if we seek the Lord, if we do His work, if we plan for the worst, and rely on His protection, God will show up, and we will overcome the opposition. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Nehemiah, God. What an example of overcoming opposition, Lord. Lord, it's not a sophisticated plan, but a very, very effective one, Father, because it comes from you. Trusting you, Lord, trusting you can be a very difficult thing, Lord. But I know you will show up, God. Father, you showed up when the world needed salvation by sending your only son, Jesus, God. And if we call on his name, we will win the victory over sin 
and death, God. God, you want to build your kingdom and you call us to partner with you in the work, Lord. And we, we learn from Nehemiah today. God, will we obey you knowing that you are with us and you go before us and you will prepare us and will use us, Father, I pray. In the strong name of Jesus, amen.